Circle and Sewer, episode 15 with Jake and Joe. Uh, there's no Joe this week, it's just me. Uh, Joe is doing cool stuff in New York right now. Um, probably celebrating the Jets win with all the with all the crazy Jets fans out there. He's probably having a blast. Uh, I know he wish he could be here, but I'm going to do this one solo. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it a little bit shorter than our early weeks and Obviously, these are going to be all my thoughts, so you get to get a lot of it after a, a fun week of football, um, college, pro, both of them, awesome, awesome games. Vikings win again. Um, can't wait to talk about that. Um, but yeah, we'll get into our picks. I know we'll probably talk about these more when Joe gets back next week. Um, I'm going to have him send in his picks for this, uh, for this Thursday episode later this week. Um, today's Tuesday, November 8th When I'm recording this Hopefully you guys are out voting uh, Big day for the polls uh, But yeah, I went 3-1-1 one, and one in my picks this week Felt felt good about them uh, Pushed with the Chargers-Falcons They won, uh, Chargers won a field goal by 3 uh, But Patriots, Seahawks, and Baltimore were, were easy covers And then Miami uh, won But uh, didn't cover against the Bears Only won by 3 uh, Joe lost the Raiders pick as Jacksonville won by 10, I believe. Uh, Vikings pushed on a field goal. Packers got stomped by the Lions. Texans lost by 12, so Joe covered that one. Um, so our guest, and then Cardinals lost to the Seahawks. So our guest appearance out of Ryan Christofferson, he went 1-1. One one. Um, Joe's only win of the week was one of his brother's picks, so might have to go back to the well there and, and get Ryan back on. Um, for him, but get into the NFL games. Um, the Vikings win and come from behind, nonetheless. Uh, I know people don't believe that Kirk is 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 clutching this and that because he he struggles in prime time, but uh, not the case. You know, he actually has a really good record in in comeback, um, come from behind wins in fourth quarter and overtime. Um, so. It's pretty incredible what the Vikings can do on the first drive of the game. Is I think you've seen all season is they just go down and they score right away. Um, these scripted plays in the first drive, they just look unstoppable. Um, but something I've noticed, too, is that right away when they get Justin Jefferson involved early in games, it sure seems to take uh, that team to another level. You know, like in, And he didn't have a, a too crazy of a day, I guess, by his standards. He still had seven receptions for 115 yards and a touchdown. Um but I feel like our offense really gets going when, when he gets some touches early on. Um, TJ Hawkinson looked amazing, uh, the tight end that we got from the Lions, and I feel like he's going to be a huge part of our offense moving forward. Um, didn't run the ball that well today, but uh, Kirk played well enough, and the Vikings come from behind and are 7-1. And, one. and um, yeah, you know, I think this, this commander's team put a lot of pressure on Kirk and uh, our offensive line held up decent towards the end when we needed to make some plays, uh, but but just the the fact that we came back from ten down I thought was was really important. Um, you know that game could have easily got away from us, and this could have been just one of those that we lose. And I feel like Vikings teams of the past would have uh, maybe maybe gave in a little bit sooner, but uh, not this Vikings team. Um, we we really felt like we we played well there at the end and it was exciting and 
to nobody's surprise, the narrative is still that the Vikings aren't that good. Um, I think I've heard numerous times from talk shows and, and people all over the place talking about football that, you know, this is like the worst seven and one team, um, in the league, this and that. And again, like I, and more proof this week and, and as, as Joe is celebrating the Jets win over the Bills, like the Bills lost to the Jets, uh, the Chiefs lost to the Colts, like good teams, you know, these teams and have lost to, to teams that they had no business losing to. So, um, I think that's something to be said about Vikings finding a way. And I know I've said this this a bunch of times, but what but we're seven and one. We have a bunch of one win game or one score game games that we've won by one score. And and to me that that isn't a detriment. I think you, you know you're going to come to the playoffs. You're going to have close games. You're going to have one score games. You have to find a way to win. And and an NFL team is an NFL team. You know, um, it was Taylor Heineke in the Commanders, which obviously it probably won't be a playoff team, but you know these these are still professionals out there and and i feel like you know us getting reps and under pressure in these situations and, and working on play calling come from behind and and just you know certain drives and, and situations that we're preparing for and um you know i think that's really important for a team that, that has aspirations of making it further in the playoffs than we have in the past and nonetheless it's super important to to win all these games because you know it's, it's a tight race probably for that second seed in the nfc right now behind the eagles uh you know the, the eagles sure have that clear path it looks like to to be in the number one seed with the the easiest strength of schedule left in the in the nfl this season but uh winning these games i think it's just important and in close matchups you know it's it's finding a way it's it's the determination of the team i know that's super corny and cliche but like this team just has an energy about it, and I know you know if you see Kirk Cousins after the games with his shirt off, and you know he's got all these chains on, and he's dancing around on the on the jet, um, on, the, on the airplane after the games and stuff, and and you just see a different level of excitement. I think with the team, you know, in the post game speeches that that um, O'Connell's given after the game, and you know I saw this clip on Twitter of a side by side of Mike Zimmer after a game last year and Kevin O'Connell after a game this year. It's like. The Mike Zimmer speech, you're not sure if they won or lost, you know, he kind of, he's kind of sad about it and this and that, and, you know, they, there's just a different life about this team, and I think that's been the difference so far, is, is, you know, because truthfully, I, I don't, I still think that our, our defense, uh, it's been playing better as of late, I definitely think so, with Zadari Smith playing awesome for us, and Harrison Smith, and, um, you know, we've had, we've had Daniil Hunter step up and stay healthy so far and we've had big big contributions from our defense and not that it's all that much different than last year's team but maybe it is a little bit with some of the personnel and also just the energy that this defense is playing Patrick Peterson's been awesome um and I think that that's truly a difference maker for this team uh moving forward and you know truthfully like this game you know we could have maybe won this game a little bit easier you know like our defense really did play well and one of the only touchdowns we gave up was was the long play to Curtis Samuel for 49 yards where um you know our 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 defensive back runs into the the referee and Heineke threw in a triple coverage and it looks like this god um which really like if you just take a step back and look at it was a terrible play through literally in a triple coverage to Curtis Samuel down the field and it was just a prayer and, and it worked out and sometimes you have to take those shots I totally understand but usually you like the odds to 
to maybe double coverage or, or a safety at least that, that you looked off to the other side and he's a little bit late and then you throw in a double coverage. Like Those are certain situations so you, maybe it can be a little understanding. But Taylor Heineke underthrew this ball. We had three guys. Um, the guy who was perfectly in line for uh, the interception you know, runs into the referee and, and Curtis Samuel catches it and we don't down him because we're all kind of like our D-backs. We're kind of all running together. But uh, it was a win. Uh, and we found a way to overcome that. I think again is is super important. And and we're seven and one. And what can anybody say about a seven and one team? Truthfully, like what do you you can you can look around the league and you see all these teams that have have worse records than us. And and, and people want to say that the Vikings aren't that good. You know they haven't blown teams out. They haven't done this. They haven't done that. To me, that doesn't really matter. I mean, you have we have a three game lead. Four game lead right now in in the NFC North. Um, we've won six straight. Our only losses to the Eagles. We're gonna have a great matchup this week against the Bills. Um, so things are looking up, and I, and I and I think there's no reason for us to be to think anything negative about our team. Um, we've been phenomenal. Four zero at home. Or, you know, our only losses on the road. Um, you know, to the Eagles and the Eagles rolling into that game in the first game of the week um, have looked phenomenal. You know, they, they take on the Texans and they win, you know, 12 point win. And everybody, you know, everybody wants these dominating wins and, and they want these convincing wins and seeing teams to blow teams out. But that's just not the case. I mean, that's why you see, you know, Vegas who, who understands, you know, the, the, the spread of these games better than obviously anybody. That's how they make all their money is was set this line at, at 14, 13 and a half, you know, right around that range, depending on the book or the time that you saw the line. And a 12 point, like, I mean, that's a, you're talking about the Eagles against the Texans. That is the best team in the league versus the worst team in the league um, from a record standpoint. And in Houston and uh, Philly's, you know, 14 point favorites. So 14 points is, is a ton of points in the NFL. Like, you know, you, I think other people compare them to college football games where you see these teams blowing teams out by, by you know three four scores um 40 points sometimes you know these crazy lopsided games but that's just not the case in the nfl you know every day is a grind all these guys are you know on on both sides are are playing for for paychecks they're playing for future contracts you know what i mean so so that's why i think you know this this cop out of an argument that people are trying to make against the vikings of you know they're not blowing teams out like I don't really care. A win's a win. Like you have to go win these games, and, and I know I keep saying that, and I sound like a broken record right now saying that, but the, but there's teams that don't, and there's teams that find a way to lose to teams that they shouldn't, and it's going to cost them potentially down the line, and and it's cost the Bills in the past. You know what I mean? Like there's a reason the Bills hate to go play in Arrowhead in the playoffs is because Kansas City typically finds a way to get a better seating than the Bills in the regular season because the Bills lose games. And everybody wants to get on the Bills and love their roster, and this team shouldn't lose to these teams. But they do. They lost to the Dolphins. They lost to the Jets. You know, like, they are beatable, and, and teams are showing that. And and I think right now is this narrative around the, the, the Bills is just so lopsided. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes comes back and wins a game, and that's what you want to see. And... Josh Allen makes some pretty bad plays and throws some picks. And I'm not saying every quarterback is perfect every week, and I'm not expecting Josh Allen to be perfect. But, um, you know, he makes some plays that, that are questionable. And right now you're seeing guys like Jalen Hurts not make those plays. 
you know, he's, he's leading this offense, and he's got a fantastic offensive line. Um, they've established a really good running game. Miles Sanders has been big for them this year. You know, Goddard and A.J. Brown are kind of his guys down the field, and, and you know, he's, he's looked awesome. And their defense has been stellar. Um, they make big plays when they need to. And, and right now the Eagles are sitting at 8-0, and they, they found a way to beat the Texans, and that's all that matters. Um, Texans are, man, they're, they're really hunting down, I think, that, that first overall pick <laughs> pretty easily. Uh, Damian Pierce is exciting. He ran for 140 yards. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a wide receiver core. They had, they had uh, Nico Collins out. Uh, you know, Brandon Cooks didn't even play because he didn't practice because he wanted to get traded. So you got some really some, – some, you know, unless you're a really big football fan, a lot of these names you've probably never heard of. Um, Chris Moore I'd never heard of who caught the touchdown pass for them. And then Tegan – Quentin Turianio. Um, I know me and Joe joked about it last night at the or last episode at the end about him scoring a touchdown. So you know the Texans are are probably a shoe in for that that first pick. Um, they definitely have a lot of holes um, to fill in that team, but you know potentially getting a, a quarterback is is a good place to start. Obviously, uh, but boy, the the Eagles are are set up nicely. And uh, they've got some picks next year too, man. They they're they're looking nice. That that team is is definitely number one in the NFL right now, and and the Vikings are right behind them. Um, and you can't tell me any otherwise. And I think people are now they're buying in. You know, after the you know the Bills lose, it's like oh now we're gonna put the you know the Vikings as the number two team in our power rankings, this and that. And um, in my opinion, it's it's been them for a while. I don't I don't see how you can how you can disagree. We don't. We don't have a bad loss. You know, if you're talking about, you know, the college football rankings are coming out and we're talking about resumes and stuff, and if, you know, you're looking at the Vikings' resume, it's pretty damn good. Um, so that's super exciting to see. Uh, next game was Chargers-Falcons. Um, this was a pretty typical Falcons game. Just kind of a, a gritty game, and uh, they came out and came out hot, got up 10 rip, and then gave a 14 straight, and then, you know, and just like that the Chargers kind of stormed back into the game um Chargers still didn't look that impressive to me um you know Cleo Mack made a big play and 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 uh with that strip that he that he returned on Drake London uh was a huge stop in the red zone for the for the Chargers but that's kind of what you expect to see more with the Chargers with all these with all these stars that they kind of have on their team and these big defensive names Cleo Mack and Derwin James and you know, obviously they're struggling. Um, you know, having Mike Williams out, having Keenan Allen out, um, their passing game is taking a little hit there. But they just underperform on a pretty consistent basis so far in these couple years with Herbert. And um, you know, everybody wants to crown him the next quarterback in the league. When you know he's 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 got some improvement to make. Um, he definitely could could have some help around him. Um, getting those wide receivers back is going to help. But um, Chargers pull one off. You know they're sitting decent right now in their division, behind the the Chiefs. Uh, you know they're they're probably staring a, a playoff spot in the face. They're definitely going to be in contention for that that last playoff spot. Um, but they've got to they've got to win some games. Um, you know, and and I think obviously with the the Broncos and Raiders kind of underperforming in that in that division in that conference um, in the AFC side, AFC West that it's. It, it's look, looking good for the Chargers. Um, 
you know, but it hasn't looked great by any means. I think they expected more out of this team, but the reality of it is, is they're only a game back from the Chiefs right now for first place in the AFC West. Now, I don't think anybody expects them to catch up to them, um, but that is where they're at, and that is that's all that matters. And like I said, you, you know, we can sit here and and talk about you know teams being good and teams being bad, and 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 you know their their wins barely counting, and how this this season sucks because the teams that we're used to seeing, there's no dominant teams. But I think this is this is one of the ex- most exciting NFL seasons I've ha- I feel like we've had in a while. Is we've got a ton of parity. I mean, you you got teams that are you know the top to bottom in the league. They're you know in the NFC is yeah you've got some teams that are not consistent and you know you got the 49ers that are four and four um you got the Seahawks coming out of nowhere like I mean you want to talk about um excitement towards the end of this year it's going to be crazy like every game is going to matter every game every week so far it's just like there's very few write-off games now you can talk about they might not be exciting but the the actual like gravity of of the game and and the impact it's going to have on the standings moving forward is just super exciting that we have a bunch of games that that are meaningful all the time because of the how close you know the afc is right around you know the seven to ten seed and um same thing in the nfc you know you have the giants and the cowboys who are playing for wild card spots at both six and two which is incredible and the commanders are four and five and they're sniffing knocking on the door for that that, that seven spot too you know you, I mean you have it's, it's pretty crazy honestly you know you have the Rams and Packers almost out of it by now and the the, the Bucks leading their division at four and five um, it's just it's just good football and so you're excited to see what the Chargers uh, or if you're a Chargers fan you're excited to to be within striking distance of the Chiefs um, so you gotta put a nice little run together here and hopefully you can get uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams back and get them healthy and um you know win some games but they do have a tough schedule coming up they got 49ers and chiefs back-to-back weeks um so you'll be you'll be seeing a lot of the chargers um their sunday night football back-to-back weeks here and we're gonna see what that team's made of um you know we had high expectations for that team and they have a ton of talent all over that roster but um you know some questions about Brandon Staley as a coach and and we'll have to to see moving forward what this team is going to look like for sure and the next game we had Dolphins Bears uh Dolphins win 35 32 over the Bears and now Tua looks awesome but I think the story is continuing week in and week out is, is Justin Fields right now um I believe he broke an NFL record for most rushing yards by a quarterback. He ran for 178 yards and a touchdown, threw for three passing touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he was just phenomenal. Uh, he's just the last four weeks with, I think, some of the changing and play calling by the by the Bears, and I'm not sure why it took them this long to figure out that Justin Fields, that you should put in some designed runs and let him show off his athleticism. And I mean, he's, he, I mean, he's a run, like, he can obviously he can pass, but you know the 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 Lamar Jackson school of thought, where you know, in order to make his passing game better, you know, you really have to make the defense respect the running game. And in the past, they've really kept Justin Fields, you know, stuck in the in the pocket and didn't let him really do things. And and when the defense starts, you know, has to prepare for for both things, it, it makes it really tough. And um, you see that with Lamar in the past years. And, and I'm sure that Justin Fields is now working himself into that category of 
it's a really tough game plan. Like in order, you know, the week before these games against the Bears, these teams are probably struggling and probably not having that much fun trying to figure out of how they're going to contain him because um, what he's doing right now is pretty special and, and, and he's a must-watch right now, which, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have expected from the Bears a couple weeks ago. It looked bad. Fields didn't look great. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're a, they're a fun team. They almost pulled this one off. Um, but two or three for 300 yards and three touchdowns, uh, he's looked phenomenal. Him and Tyreek together have just been an unbelievable, unstoppable duo. And then you have Jalen Waddle in there as well. Um, you know, and Tyreek is really knocking on the door for for potentially breaking some some records there this year with yardage. Um, he's just consistently over 100 yards every week. He's had multiple. I think he's had four games with 150 yards and uh, 10 receptions. I mean, that's just it's incredible. Um, so he's been a, a a must a must play for most fantasy teams as well. Uh, but Jalen Waddle has been phenomenal too, and I think having both of them is just you know a lot to handle for defenses and and I think this is what Tua need. You know, you know Mike McDaniel's comes in there and and he's really allowed Tua to be himself. Um, you know, and and I'm not super familiar with you know all the ins and outs of play calling and this and that. I'm not going to pretend to be some savant with that but but Tua looks different this year than he did last year from just like a a comfortability standpoint and how comfortable he looks back there and you know I think uh Mike McDaniel has had an awesome way of of giving this guy you know giving Tua confidence and 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 it's been working out they're they're six and three right now um and with the with the Bills losing that that division is jam-packed right up there I mean you have Bills six and two, Jets six and three, Dolphins six and three, Patriots five and four. Um, it's a pretty damn good conference right there, or, or division, excuse me. Um, and and every week those teams are bringing it. I, I, the Dolphins' defense is probably a little suspect, but those other three defenses are pretty solid. Um, you know, and and it, it'd be curious to see what the Dolphins would be like if two wouldn't have missed a couple games. Truthfully. Um, He's undefeated as a starter. He's looked phenomenal um, when he's been healthy. Uh, it's 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 fun to watch, and that's just an explosive offense again. It's just another must watch. And this and this game was high powered offense with you know both quarterbacks throwing for three touchdowns each, and Justin Fields running for 178 yards. It was it was a fun watch uh, for sure. And, and moving forward, I think that the dolphins are going to be a real problem for teams. Uh, that's just, a, like I said, with both of those guys out there, um, they've got the Browns this week and Texans. So you could be very easily looking at an eight and three dolphins team, um, heading into week 12. And that's, that's a problem for the bills truthfully. And, and I, I feel like that's becoming my stance is this this big large critic of of the bills but it's hard not to when everybody wants to just crown them the champions before the, the season every year um i feel like i've wrapped everything back to the bills but it's just kind of how i've been how i've been feeling lately um not much in this next game Bengals 42 panthers 21 uh, mixon scores five touchdowns he looked phenomenal and i thought the the Bengals made a conscious decision to get him the ball. He got 22 carries, ran for 153 yards and four touchdowns, and also caught a receiving touchdown. Um, you know, and they kind of like coasted through the second half. Truthfully, you know, they scored 35 points in the first half, and 
um, scored a touchdown in the third quarter, but nothing in the fourth is, but they, they really, you know, and, and I think a lot of people thought that this was what they were going to do the week before when they kind of got absolutely demolished, uh, by the Browns was they just like needed to, um, get the running game going, you know, with Jamar chase out, you know, it, you can't act like the offense is just going to be the same and it's just going to be fine. He's, he is Jamar chase. You know, he is that, that number one wide receiver and he's a top five wide receiver in the league and, and he's game changing. And um, without him, you know, teams, teams can play him a little different, especially when they feel like they don't have to respect the running game. Um, so I think this is important for the Bengals moving forward. Uh, they're five and four now. And, They've really got to just, you know, show that they can run the ball and keep Mixon involved, and that will allow Burrow to take his shots down the field, especially even when Jamar Chase comes back. Like, um, you know, I think at times, like, they get a little one-dimensional, and Zach Taylor isn't fantastic with the play calling sometimes. So uh, hopefully the Bengals, I think, moving forward can can get that that back into their repertoire of, you know, getting Mixon the ball more because uh, he looked phenomenal and – there was, you know, nobody stopping him. And again, in the Panthers, you know, they've looked frisky at times, but they got dominated in this one. Uh, P.J. Walker got benched in the second half, and uh, Baker Mayfield actually came in and, and looked really good. Went 14 to 20, 155 yards, two touchdowns, and no pick. And um, you know, Bengals maybe a little checked out in the second half there, but uh, it was Baker looked as good as he's looked in. I don't even know how long, but better than he's looked all season before his injury, better than he looked all year last year. I know he's dealing with injuries last year as well, but um, I believe they named P.J. Walker the starter for next week. Uh, But it'll be interesting because I think Baker Mayfield, with knowing how he played right there, it's going to be hard to just ignore him if if P.J. Walker struggles again. this next game is is a fun one to talk about. As always, we love talking about the struggles of the Packers right now on this on this podcast. But Packers nine, Lions fifteen. Um, Packers defense looked phenomenal. Honestly, uh, the Lions high powered offense has really cooled off over the last couple of weeks. Um, really since their bye, I know they're banged up um, with DeAndre Swift being limited still, and um, they should be getting Jameson Williams back. Hopefully in the next couple weeks, uh, Monra St. Brown played, but uh, 15 points was enough to win. You know, got through for 137 yards. Like it, it really, it was the Packers game to lose. To be completely honest, and and you saw Aaron Rodgers kind of lose it for him. He threw three picks. One was a pick that we just never really see him throw. Um, the deflected one off the helmet. You, you know that's unfortunate probably shouldn't have thrown it there um you know those just certain things we we aren't accustomed to seeing out of Rodgers you know he's been pretty spotless over the last two years um you know and and this is just a different version of Aaron Rodgers and a different version of the Packers um you know we keep waiting for them to turn the corner but right now I, I believe they've lost five straight um and and they're they're way out of it um you know, it, and Rodgers just looks, I mean, the comparison is, you know, him and Tom Brady both struggling this year, but the difference between the two has been 
interesting. Whereas Rogers just keeps on getting pissed off. Like he just looks so angry and he looks like he's just constantly trying to find somebody to blame, which has been Rogers through his career. Um, I guess, you know, at least from the outside looking in from our perspective is that's kind of been his MO. Um, you know, he feels like the, the Packers haven't, you know, front office wise, haven't given him the support that he needs over the years. And then he finally gets paid and now they have no wide receivers and they didn't make any moves, um, at the trade deadline, which, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to know if, you know, the team made efforts, but they didn't want to give too much up. I heard that they may have offered a first round pick for DJ Moore to the Panthers and they declined. Um, but yeah, this, it's, it's, you know, and you already have people talking about, you know, whether we're going to see Jordan Love this year or not, which is, uh, which is interesting because, you know, the Packers have some decisions to make. Obviously, they just signed Rodgers, but, you know, he's still at the point in his career where he could probably, you know, be traded and, and teams will pay up for him. Um, you know, they'll take that contract on. So I guess as, <coughs> excuse me, as the Packers fan, you, you kind of want to see what Jordan Love is about. And, you know, he hasn't been all that uh, overwhelming in his opportunities in the past, but, you know, he's never really gotten a real shot with, you know, coming in late in games or, um, you know, he's not taking first team reps consistently. So uh, not the questions that I think Packers fans thought that they would be thinking about at this point in the year. You know, they're only one game ahead of the Lions in the bottom of the NFC North right now which is crazy to think about this Lions team that um, has looked pretty bad all year. And, and Packers can't, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers can't even beat the Lions right now, which is crazy. Still owns the Bears, unfortunately, for Bears fans so far. And he'll, you know, Bears get another, another shot at him coming up here in the second half of the season. But, yeah, wow, it is it is scary hours for, for Packers fans. And uh, both of these teams are out of the out of the playoff hunt. Um I don't, I don't see anything really turn around and, and it's just shocking because you know like after two MVP seasons and the Packers just being the Packers and always good and, and you just expect certain things from Rodgers and, and that team is it's been it's been pretty crazy to see you know with the kind of the downfall and some of the plays at the end like you know you still had that feeling when Rodgers got the ball that he would be able to bring him back and um it just didn't happen, you know, and, and I don't, and they still abandoned the run game kind of, um, Aaron Rodgers was their leading rusher with 40 yards, uh, they've got two just horses in the backfield, and I don't know why they just refused to do something with them, you know, to open up that passing game, hopefully it's just, you know, run the ball a little bit, open up some play action for them, um, but, you know, whatever they're doing right now is, is not that effective, you know, they got shut out in the first half, um, but Packer seasons, uh, I'm calling it officially over for those who are curious. <laughs> it's dead. Uh, speaking of dead, Colts, uh, three, Patriots 26. I saw this one coming. Um, Colts are a pretty fraudulent team. Uh, they fired Frank Reich. Uh, Jeff Saturday is now the head coach of the Colts. Um, pretty funny press conference by Jim Mercer, the owner, um, kind of introducing him. And it was funny. He, you know, he, he went on this whole spiel about Jeff Saturday and how they're excited to have him in there. And then they, he kind of ended it. It was, yeah. And he's kind of the only candidate there was. So 
Uh, Colts moving forward, probably going to see them go into a little bit more tank mode. Um, that's kind of my feeling about them playing Matt Ryan, or benching Matt Ryan, excuse me, and playing Sam Ellinger is... Ellinger's not going to be the future. Matt Ryan's not going to be the future. That team needs a quarterback. They've got some good pieces um, around them, to be completely honest. Um, you know, I think with new coaching and hopefully bringing in a new franchise quarterback, um, you know, that, that, that could really switch up and and I think there's a couple teams up there you know that are going to be looking at the quarterback position the Texans obviously we've as I talked about and now the Colts are going to be right there so uh this game was not a great watch on either side Patriots offense didn't look that great but it was it was just a pretty dominant Bill Belichick defensive game um and you know he just pretty much consistently owns young quarterbacks that have that are young in their career. Um, I know Allinger isn't a rookie, but it's kind of his first year playing, so feels like a rookie. Uh, he and Belichick just finds a way to dominate them. Uh, so this was a smash for me as minus five and a half. So it, I was not shocked to see a twenty-three point victory by um, the Patriots. No touchdown score by the Colts. Um, you know the Colts traded away Naheem Hines, knowing that Jonathan Taylor is. Um, hurt feels like you're probably not going to see a whole lot of Jonathan Taylor the rest of the year. Um, obviously, as he's their guy, and probably just rest him up because this season is probably over. So, unfortunately for fantasy owners of Jonathan Taylor too, probably want to get rid of him um, if you're trying to win this year. Uh, but that about does it for that game. There's really not that much else to cover. The Patriots again are five and four, but I, I, you really don't see them uh, making it out of that division. Uh, you know, with the three teams in front of them playing well. Uh, you don't really feel like this team is a team that you should be worried about. Now, it's a Bill Belichick team, so anything's possible. You know, he, he finds a way to stay over 500. But uh, Mac Jones right now is, is not a game-changing quarterback for them. Um, Ramondre Stevenson's been phenomenal for him. But, uh, but I guess a rushing game and, and defense can, can take you pretty far, and the Titans... Titans can attest to that, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. Patriots are just in a tougher spot to to play a bunch of division games against the Dolphins and the Jets and the Bills coming up here to to finish the season off. So it's it's tough tough sledding for them, excuse me. But uh, yeah, they're again another team we're not used to seeing, which has been great. You know, seeing these teams that we're not used to seeing be good. This year has been fun for me uh, personally. You know, seeing the, the Commanders be relevant and the Cowboys, uh, excuse me, I guess the Cowboys not really that exciting, but the, the Giants and, you know, and the Dolphins and, and these teams that are, you know, not typically, we're used to seeing the Patriots win all the time. So, um, you know, maybe I spoke too soon. We'll see here if the Patriots even find a way to make the playoffs, but uh, doesn't look good for them. Bills 17, Jets 20. Wow. Uh, this one was, you know, f- fun for a lot of people. I know Joe was loving this. I personally loved it as well. Uh, you know, Josh Allen just kind of got ate up by the Jets defense in the second half, and the Jets did just enough to to outscore him. And, and um, Josh Allen's not perfect, I think, is, is kind of the storyline here. And, and people want to crown him the MVP you know, before the season started and, you know, this is 
you know, I feel like every year is supposed to be his coming out party. And don't get me wrong, again, I'm not here to say that Josh Allen is not a good quarterback, but we just decided to pass him, pass Patrick Mahomes. You know, before the season, we we declared him Baron Aaron Rodgers after Rodgers won two two MVPs, and the Bills have still really done nothing in the playoffs. Um, you know, he, he still has yet to play in a Super Bowl, and this Bills team has been really good the last two years um, from a from a talent and a depth perspective, and a, and how good their defense is supposed to be. And you know, he has weapons on the offensive side with Diggs and G- Gabe Davis, and um, you know, so. It, I'll be I'll be shocked if they win the Super Bowl this year, to be honest. I know a lot of people pick them. They're probably still up there in, in Vegas odds um, and betting odds to, to win it. But I just don't, for whatever reason right now, this, this team just doesn't convince me that they're going to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Um, you know, there's, there's some AFC teams, and the AFC playoffs is going to be a phenomenal time. Um, this Jets team right now is, is going to be... A, you know, with the defense and Zach Wilson kind of just doing enough, to be honest, right now to, to win him games. And you see him not throw any picks this week, kind of kind of the opposite of what you saw the week before against the Patriots. It, it was it was a good game for him. Uh, you know, he only threw for 150 yards, but truthfully with this defense and the way that um, they're playing and can kind of control the game almost from a defensive spot and force turnovers with the you know with the picks by like sauce and and this team is something to be worth talking about uh new york football is legit both teams are, are solid and they have they're well coached they got solid defenses um they got young hungry guys uh but but i i love to see the bills the bills topple because uh you know they have the Vikings next week, and and Josh Allen may be hurt, but I hope Josh Allen plays. Um, but you can already see it coming. Is is it's just a typical either Josh Allen plays and he's banged up, so everybody's like, oh, if the Vikings win, they didn't play Josh Allen at full strength, or Josh Allen doesn't play, and then we play Case Keenum, and it's like, oh, of course, you know, you beat the Bills, but it wasn't even with Josh Allen. So, uh, kind of a lose lose situation for the narrative for the Vikings moving forward, but uh, still going to be exciting nonetheless. Uh, but you know, Bills sitting at six and two, and and if they're not careful and, and take some of these games, not that they're not taking these games seriously, but you know they they've got a, a decently tough schedule coming up, and they've got some games against teams that are going to be you know playing for um, you know their season too. You know, kind of everybody is. A lot of these teams are still in it, and and you just don't really see tanking that much in the NFL. You know, either teams just really bad, or you know. But a lot of these teams are mid-level teams that are going to give the Bills a run for their money. And um, if Josh Allen is banged up and misses a couple weeks, like that, that division being that tight, the AFC being that tight, like that, it's it's a scary time for Bills fans to be honest with you because you can't take that many weeks off, and this Bills team should hopefully be. You know, if they're as good as everybody says says they are, but I, I just don't really see it. You know, they're good at times, and they have a great point differential, and they, they blow out teams and this and that. But they're 6-2, and two, you know, and they've lost games to the Dolphins and the Jets, you know, and and that's just the reality of it. So you can say whatever you want about how good this team's been in the other six games, and they beat the Chiefs, but... Um, 
you know, we're talking about a team that that has the highest expectations of the league going into the year. Everybody's pick was the Bills. Um, you know, so hopefully Josh Allen's fine. I, I, I never want to wish injuries on anyone, and especially his UCL, which is, you know, a scary one, um, as we know in the baseball world. But, uh, yeah, they got tough sledding, tough sledding for sure, and that loss does not help. And uh, Jets fans have to be ecstatic. Uh that, that team is just exciting. Uh, you, you're not really sure what you're going to get, but you're going to get good defensive play. Um, and hopefully Zach Wilson can kind of kind of keep pushing forward and, and it being improving a little bit. Um, it would be exciting to see that offense kind of go to. You know, he's got some weapons there. Uh, you know, they went and got James Robinson. They have Michael Carter still in the backfield. You know, Garrett Wilson's an awesome rookie. Um, but... You know, it'd be it'd be interesting to see if if the Jets would have drafted somebody else, you know, um, and and they would have had a different quarterback moving forward. Not saying that Jets fans want a different quarterback, because I know uh, they probably feel like, you know, Josh or excuse me, Zach Wilson's the guy there. But uh, we'll see. We'll see when it comes to these uh, important games. You know, he looked like I said, and that was a big divisional game and he looked good enough to win the game that's that's really all that matters that's all you need out of your quarterback is you want a winner you know the stats are nice and like I said but when it comes down to to making smart decisions and and leading your team to victory and sometimes not doing too much and understanding the game flow and stuff like that um you know maybe Zach Wilson's kind of figuring that out right now uh next game was Raiders Jaguars this was, was just a kind of a stinker neither of these teams were um you know that exciting to watch uh Raiders are just they can't figure them out they're up 17-0 and somehow lose 27 to 20 um Jacksonville doesn't look good I I mean uh, neither of these teams are exciting to me uh Derek Carr is just confusing you know in the beginning of the game they just look like him and Devontae are going to break every passing record um, and he, Devontae looked unstoppable and Devontae still had a great game, but you know, Derek Carr threw for a hundred yards besides throwing the passes to Devontae Adams. And not that, you know, you can't have a winning, you know, playbook by throwing to your number one wide receiver all day, but clearly in the second half, it didn't work. And the Jaguars figured out something, uh, to really shut that offense down. Uh, I thought the Raiders would figure out a way to win this. Uh, and them going up 17-0 really kind of felt like they were, but of course they found a way to shoot it down their leg. And Jags are three and six, and Raiders are two and six, and the Raiders are winless on the road. And uh, yeah, not the season the Raiders I think thought with the acquisition of Devontae Adams. You know, I think they really thought that this year was going to be a little bit better, a little bit uh, actually probably a lot better. You know, because it's going into this year, it's just like all four of those teams in that AFC West are going to be just, you know, hunting for the playoffs, and it's just not been the case. It's been, it's been the the AFC's East, you know, with the the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets all all being right up there. So, uh, nothing really else to say. ETN was good. Um, Trevor Lawrence, like I said, you know, came out this season and looked awesome, and now has regressed a little bit. Looked decent at times in this game um you know he loves throwing to christian kirk which is which is kind of his guy there and you know they got calvin ridley coming next year i guess if he can play next year 
Um, that should that should help their offense, but uh, you know they're young. Uh, finally got rid of Urban Meyer, so that's exciting for their team. But moving to the next game, Seahawks thirty-one, Cardinals twenty-one. Seahawks just keep on rolling. Fourth straight win by the Seahawks um, on the road in Arizona. Um, Geno Smith tremendous again, two hundred seventy-five yards, two touchdowns. Kenneth Walker runs for one hundred and ten and two touchdowns. Um, their defense plays big at the right times. Um, it's just a f- exciting team. Um, every week, you know, that I still feel like they're underlooked. It's kind of like the Giants, you know, like no matter what their record says, like I feel like just because the expectations going into the year wasn't this for this team, um, everybody just r- still wants to write them off. Uh, the, 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 you know, they're, they were two-point underdogs in this game. I thought that was crazy. That's why, I mean, to me, that was the easiest bet of the week was Seahawks plus two. You're going to give them points against the Cardinals, who I I think Cliff Kingsbury is, is an absolute fraud as a head coach, and, and they're struggling right now in a lot of ways, and Kyler and D-Hop are getting arguments on the sideline. Um, yeah, not a believer in the Cardinals, uh, but Seahawks, I mean, they're – who would have thought, really? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I thought that, that the Seahawks were going to be here. I mean, I don't, I don't really think anybody did. I'm the third in the NFC right now behind the Vikings at 6-3. and three. You know, they're leading their division. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people thought the 49ers would probably be there. Uh, and not that the 49ers are out of it. I think a lot of still people still probably believe in the 49ers. I would have to guess that if you looked at Vegas odds, I would guess the 49ers odds are still um, in front of the Seahawks. But, you know, if the Seahawks just keep winning, it's not going to matter. And, um, you know, we don't know what to expect from Geno Smith in a, in a playoff game, but uh, just the way that these, these playoffs are going to be matched up, it's going to be interesting. And, and, I, and I like the idea of the 49ers coming back and taking that division from them because, um, Truthfully, I'd, I, as a Vikings fan, I'd much rather see the Seahawks in the playoffs than the 49ers, and that's just the reality of, of our preconceived notions of these teams and the 49ers' defense and the reputation they have there and how that offense is going to roll after this bye week of getting Debo back and now they have McCaffrey and Ayuk and you know Garoppolo's just basically going to take the snap and just try to get into the hand of one of the playmakers, and that's what he should do in, in that offense plus you know that healthier assuming that defense can get healthy i mean that that's a scary 49ers team uh so the seahawks definitely have their work cut out for them even though they're ahead by two games right now it still doesn't feel like it's their division to win it still feels like the 49ers to me um which is crazy and i know that that is the same narrative around the seahawks you know but you know they're winning games and uh that's all that matters and they're winning some of them convincingly you know they had a, they won by 10 um, and I know that, again, I earlier said that, that the margin doesn't really matter, but, you know, that they, they're they dominating some of these, these last three games. You know, they won by 14 over the Chargers, 14 over the Giants, and now 10 over the Cardinals. Like, that's that's not too shabby. Those are those are solid wins um, against the Giants and the, and the Chargers as well. So Seahawks team is, is exciting. They're a must-watch pretty much every week. Uh, they've got the Bucks this week. Oh, that's going to be phenomenal. 
Uh, that's uh, the Germany game. I forgot. Uh, that'll be... I'm going to have to get up for that game. That'll be an early game. Um, but that'll be a phenomenal one. Kind of do or die for both of these teams. Like, it's not really die, but, like, it's an important game for sure. Um, which we'll roll right into this. Bucks 16, Rams 13. We got a glimpse of the old Tom Brady this week. And we'll see if he can build on that against the Seahawks in Germany. But uh, kind of a, a stinker of a game. Both of these offenses have really struggled this whole season, so uh, both defenses are supposed to be good. And so I guess it was more of a combination of both for the majority of this game until the end when Tom Brady has an opportunity to go down the field. They're knocking on the goal line, um, you know, and they get stopped in fourth down, and you're thinking, wow, he, you know, these are the moments that you can always seem to always be able to count on Tom Brady. And he didn't have it, you know, in that moment. Then his defense goes and gets a stop because the Rams have absolutely no running game this year. Um, they go three and out. Bucks still had two timeouts, so they were able to kill the clock twice. Tom Brady gets the ball back, and the Rams just let him throw 17-yard passes you know, to the, the sideline over and over again, and they just marched down the field and, I mean, <laughs> scored a touchdown. And, the, and it was just like that, and the game was over. But it was... It was fun to see Tom Brady do that again. I, I will, um, I will say it was that was the Tom Brady the old in that final drive. Um, you know the way he just kind of picked apart that defense and. Um, I think this is officially calls the Rams season over, uh, for me with the Seahawks playing well and the 49ers, you know, kind of picking up steam right here. Uh, the Rams, not only do, the Rams dead for that reason, but also because they have really no offense. Cooper Cup is their entire team. Um, they have no other options. They've been let down by Allen Robinson. Um, you know, they, they are really missing OBJ. They're, they're missing a running game. They've got no ability to run the ball at all. Um, you know, I think they thought Cam Akers was going to be big for them, but they moved off some of their running backs last year that helped them one. But, um, you know, maybe this is the new product of, of going all in and moving a lot of your pieces to go win a Super Bowl. And you saw them win it last year, obviously. And now they're left with uh, with nothing, truthfully. And, and you know, you could probably say from an organizational standpoint that, that that's probably okay. You know, you, you would trade a Super Bowl for maybe a year where you struggle a bit. Um, so we'll see if the Rams reload. We'll see what happens with Sean McVay. Uh, moving forward, but uh, yeah, you can you can cross this the Rams team off off the playoff list as a as the Super Bowl. They will not repeat in my eyes. And the Bucks are now four and five. Uh, the The final drive was exciting, but it, the Bucks this game still were not was not promising to me. Um, Tom Brady had fifty eight pass attempts, completed thirty six of them. Um, they were talking about on the broadcast about how this was the you know the first game that he made that many pass attempts and not scoring a touchdown, um, and then he of, of course ended up throwing one. Uh, but yeah, I mean this team still has issues. Uh, they just look off. Um, the defense, at least the defense, is playing well, which is exciting. You know they they should keep this Rams team down, and they did. So I think that's something to build off for the Bucks, but. Um, the Seahawks game will be will be quite interesting. Um, 
to see how this this kind of goes with Seahawks. You know, not necessarily known for their defense, but um, you know, Tampa Bay is favored in this game, uh, and by by two and a half points, uh, which is just shocking to me. Still, I mean, it's just another proof of of teams not believing in the Seahawks. Uh, I might be taking the Seahawks this week in that game. Two and a half points seems like too much to give to this super hot Seahawks team against this Bucks team that probably shouldn't have won that game. Um, but they did, you know, and they found a way. Uh, but, you know, they didn't look good at all at any point, whereas, you know, other teams maybe struggled to to find it, but they, they did enough to win it at the end. Uh, so Bucks fought four and five and leading that division now with the, the Falcons losing. So just kind of a stinker in that in both AFC and NFC North or South divisions. Um, and rolling right into that, you have the Titans who lost 17 to 20 to the chiefs who Malik Willis throws no completions. To the Tennessee Titans quarterback to a wide receiver this game. He threw for 80 yards. He completed five passes. It, it was actually incredible to me that this team, again, just a Mike Vrabel, just a dogfight kind of team. And, um, I mean, I I don't understand. I just I mean I know their defense is good and they held down the Chiefs um, for as long as they could, and you know they had some mistakes, um, penalties that ultimately cost them. Um, you know when the Chiefs were going down and uh, that final drive and then on the two point conversion, which I guess would have sealed the game for the Titans. You know they had the a couple penalties. They had the holding call against Kelsey. Um, but the Titans, you know, they did as much as they could, and, and Mahomes was Mahomes. He threw for 446 yards, 68 pass attempts. He ran for 63. Um, he looked just phenomenal late in that game, you know, scrambling, finding guys, uh, just typical Mahomes. And and this is just like, I don't know. I think this is just like this This goes back to the narrative of the comparison to him and, him and Josh Allen is he just – he finds a way and I'm not saying they're undefeated they're six and two they lost games too they lost the Colts they definitely shouldn't have but you know like you know that Mahomes is going to find a way to do in the playoffs because he always does it whereas is you know Josh Allen has yet to prove us that um and and Mahomes is just I don't know maybe I'm just biased and that's fine because that's what you're getting here but um I don't know Mahomes just feels to have that that ability to to do it no matter what whereas Josh Allen still has yet to do it and um that's going to be my storyline for the playoffs and I really hope these two teams match up because I would love to see it um Titans on the other side no Tannehill like I said Malik Willis only completed five passes Derrick Henry um ran for 115 yards he only had 17 carries felt like the Titans just didn't have the ball a lot where Kansas City kind of just had these drives that ended up going nowhere um but yeah the, the I mean Kansas City couldn't run the ball against Tennessee um yeah, it was just a, a an interesting game but this is just a Mike Vrabel team where they you know they get Tannehill back that they're going to be fine um Luke Willis showed some some promise I think at times obviously uh he hasn't had much opportunity to prove himself, and I don't think they asked a whole lot from him. Obviously, only attempting 16 passes. Um, but I think this Titans team is legit. 
Uh, they should win the AFC South. There's no doubt in my mind. They'll find a way to do it just because they always do it. Um, but if you're a Titans fan, you're sitting there thinking, we've, like I said last week, you know, we've we've seen this story. Um, Derrick Henry leads the team to the playoffs. They have no weapons um, at all from a, a wide receiver standpoint. You know, last year they had A.J. Brown, which opened up the field a little bit, but now they really, I mean, Robert Woods has underperformed. Um, Traylon Burks, their first-round pick, hasn't played. He's been hurt. Um, so we'll see what the Titans can do moving forward. Hopefully they can get Tannehill back, but they uh, defensively, they're they're still rock solid, and this was a story of Patrick Mahomes finding a way to do it again, and it was fun to watch because he's just an electric. He's much watched TV, and to me, he's the MVP. Uh, I, I I thought he would be the MVP going into the year. I thought he would have to throw the ball. It felt like more. Um, I thought maybe they would go to the running game, you know, going into the season a little more, but again, they just haven't because uh, I don't know if it's they just don't feel like they can rely on these running backs. They're just not what they want him to be or they just want Mahomes to throw the ball but he threw 68 times uh and you know he he would I mean it would be awesome if they had a Tyreek Hill type of player and and we'll see if Kadarius Tony can be that for them but um Kelsey's still his guy he finds Kelsey Juju Smith Schuster is like slowly becoming um a real threat I think in that offense now he's obviously not to take the top off the kind of guy but um you know, he's he's kind of – I think him and Mahomes are getting more familiar. We I mean, saw 10 receptions from him in this game. Um, you know, he's kind of finding those pockets where Mahomes likes to throw to. And um, I think that's something to look forward to. And hopefully MVS can – you know, I guess maybe Tony's probably going to be that guy. But MVS, with his speed and his explosiveness, you know, definitely gives that, that offense that threat of down the field. Um, but – Chiefs are still my pick in the AFC. I have no doubt about them. Them winning the AFC. Uh, I think the I think the team that might give them the most most problem is the Monday Night winner, uh, Ravens twenty seven, Saints thirteen. And I think this Ravens team is is finding their stride a little bit. Um, you know, they just and and don't get me wrong, the Saints team isn't anything to write home about. But uh, man, did, you know, Lamar just with really nothing. He has nobody to throw the ball to, truthfully. Um, you know, he had Mark Andrews out, Rashad Bateman's out for the year. Um, you know, Isaiah likely was supposed to be this, you know, the big guy and he caught the touchdown for him. But Lamar just kind of just pieces together this, this victory for him and, and in a convincing matter. And, um, you know, they, they control the ball with the rushing game. You know, they ran the ball 40 times, controlling the cr- clock, you know, for just under 200 yards. And Kenny Drake ran, runs for just under 100 yards, two touchdowns. Lamar runs for 82 yards. Um, just, you know, and, and Lamar even, like, missed some passes, truthfully. Like, this game could have been a different story. I think he was upset. You saw um, some miscommunication um, late in the game with Lamar and the offensive lineman, he, him wanting the ball, getting snapped sooner. But, um the you know the Saints team that has a pretty solid defense. Um, Baltimore took care of them. Honestly, I thought I thought it was a, just a, another masterclass in in controlling the game and controlling the offense and or controlling the ball. Excuse me. And um, 
Lamar doesn't put up crazy numbers in this game passing wise but uh all that matters is them them winning and and it was just a full team effort um special teams played well for them defense played well um you know and forced Andy Dalton to look frustrated just about the whole night so uh Chris Olave from the Saints is, I guess, their their exciting piece. They definitely hit on him. I know a lot of these wide receivers from this draft class have been really exciting, uh, but just another good wide receiver out of Ohio State, and Olave's looked awesome for them. He's been kind of their only consistent passing game um, guy. I mean, you know, Alvin Kamara, obviously, out of the backfield can do stuff for him, but uh, with Michael Thomas missing pretty much the whole season with his toe injury, uh, Chris Olave stepped up for them in a big way. Um, I would really like to see Jameis out there. Um, watching Andy Dalton is just getting really old. Jameis is the least exciting, and he can win you a game. Obviously, he can lose you a game too, but I, I just feel like at this point, like Andy Dalton's not doing anything for him. Um, so I hope Jameis Winston can get back out there soon. But uh, that wraps up the games uh, for NFL this week. Uh, just... Uh, you know some of the 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 quarterbacks in this league are are starting to to find a way and, and you're not seeing any crazy games consistently week in and week out um but these guys are doing just enough you know Jalen Hurts is is leading the team and and you know there's been this kind of change to this you know more mobile quarterbacks and them being able to control a running game that way and being uh, a threat and you know them working the ball into the red zone and them then finding their pass touchdowns. Obviously, Jalen Hurts with A.J. Brown and um, being able to kind of take the top off the defense and be more explosive. Um, I really hope that the Ravens can get someone like A.J. Brown for Labar. Um, you know, I think hopefully Chase Claypool can be that for Justin Fields. But, you know, um, those three guys are kind of coming in their own around the league, and it's exciting to see. Um, you know, Mahomes, honestly, is... is not that much, you know, obviously his he's passing game is phenomenal, but, like, you see him there late in the game kind of do the same thing where he can make things happen with his legs. Um, you know, you've seen the same thing from Josh Allen. Um, and, and this is that's like the revolution of, of the quarterback, truthfully, is, uh, is, is this ability to make the defense respect both parts of it. And... It makes, like I said, defense is tough to game plan for. And especially when, um, you know, these guys get better in their passing games and hopefully can get some more weapons. Because, man, it was just, you know, I, I was hoping Bateman would be that guy for the Ravens. But uh, I would love to see them go get some sort of wide receiver one. You know, even if Bateman's there, it'd be great to pair him with somebody else. But um, I would love to see Lamar have a guy that he can go to um, consistently and, and see what that uh, that can do for that offense. Um, that wraps up the recap of the NFL week. Uh, rolling into college football, which I w- thought was a, just an incredible weekend of of games. Um, LSU beats Alabama um, by going for it on a two point conversion in overtime. It was just awesome, um, awesome to see Alabama lose. Uh, Georgia absolutely dominates Tennessee at home. Um, this felt like a, a just not, not that Tennessee looked completely terrible and, and not like they belonged in that game, but um, it just felt like Georgia being at home was was 
was such a, a major factor, which which is can always be said in, in most college football settings is is how important it is for these teams to play at home. You definitely feel like just the energy and the the way that these these kids play uh, is is so much different when you know they're at home, and it makes sense. You know, Tennessee looked rattled throughout this whole game. Georgia was absolutely you know so loud in that stadium and. A lot of false starts and just not very crisp football by Tennessee. Um, Georgia's defense is just completely dominant. Um, I thought, personally, I thought Tennessee was going to be able to find a way to make this game closer. Um, but Georgia just, you know, they Stetson Bennett honestly looked awesome. Um, I haven't got to watch Georgia much this year, mostly because they haven't had any games that I feel like I should watch. You know, I caught the end of their Missouri game when they struggled to to pull that one out but uh yeah I think I think George is the team to beat obviously right now um not shocking anybody that they moved into the number one spot um in the college football ranking but Tennessee still has a really good shot to make the playoff especially now with uh with Bama losing again now they have two losses um it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see how this uh, shapes out in the SEC. Uh, that I'm not sure that people really expected LSU to to win that, but at the same time, uh, you got Bama sitting in third place right now in the SEC West, which is shocking. Um, you got Ole Miss at four and one in the conference, and LSU at five and one. Uh, LSU looked good. They this this team was obviously you know they're they're one loss away uh, from being probably right around you know consideration. Well, no, they would be. They would definitely be in consideration for the college football playoff had they not lost to Florida State the first week on a on a missed field goal, um, which is crazy. And you know that's why college football is um, madness the way it is. Is is every every game obviously counts in such a dramatic way more than the NFL um, because you know there there isn't a seven teams that make the playoff and you have a chance it's only four you know which is why they need to expand it because I think you see with some of this parity in the in college football and you're seeing the NFL too obviously with the parity I was talking about earlier but um, there's a lot of good teams and I, it's it's awesome. It's it's such an exciting you know with when anybody you feel like anybody can beat anybody. Um, now Georgia sure is is making people think that nobody can beat them. Uh, you know they've still only given up seventy two points this year, which is incredible. But their offense looked pretty explosive at times. Um, excuse me, not that Tennessee's known for its defense, but. Uh, you know, Georgia controlled that game for sure and, and, and showed what they were made of. LSU, uh, with I said, like the home field advantage, they just did enough to, to win that one. And, and, and it was a ballsy move by um, Brian Kelly to go for two. Uh, but this LSU team is legit. Don't get me wrong. I think they've they've had a, a slower start to the year, obviously, with losing that first one. But Jaden Daniels is, is a fun player to watch. Um, He's going to be a name for a while at LSU. I expect them to, to be really good next year as well. Um, and not that this season's over for them, because who knows what can happen down the stretch here with with some of these some of these teams already having a loss. Um, 
you know, they're not completely out of it. And and they're seventh, LSU seventh in the college football ranking right now. Um, and they have, you know, Tennessee, Oregon in front of them um, outside of the top four because the top four are all still undefeated. But Tennessee and Oregon both have one loss in front of them. Um, you know, and these teams in Ohio State and Michigan obviously have to play each other. Um, so one of those teams is going to have a loss. TCU is obviously got a a gauntlet to go through in the in the Big 12 and I'll get into that in a little sec in a little bit but finishing up on LSU is that this Oregon team has some teams to play in the Pac-12 um Tennessee has you know some tougher games coming up as well uh who do they play yeah they have oh the I I, I take that back they got Missouri South Carolina and Vanderbilt so Tennessee still has a really good chance because they they won't be playing in the SEC championship game now which means they'll most likely finish out at 11 and one, and depending on what happens in front of them, they could they'll probably want to be the first be one of the first teams to probably sneak in there with one loss, um, as the college football playoff sets them at five, which means right now that they're the best one loss team in the country according to the the committee, and I don't see them losing any more games this year, which means um, you know, and th- and that's kind of how the way I, I look at these these rankings and rolling into TCU being number four which, uh, you know, they went over Texas Tech. Um, and I think it's an important statement that the, the rankings committee made by putting TCU at four is, is saying that, hey, if you win out your games, you're going to be in the college football playoff. And I thought by them not doing that previously um, was a questionable move. I guess Clemson was still undefeated. You had Georgia and Tennessee undefeated. So, so maybe I was just a little impatient there with the first week of rankings. But now, um, you know, if, if you would have put any of those teams in front of TCU, um, that would have been a real issue in my eyes because that would be saying that Tennessee just has to be a one-loss team and they would get in over TCU, which which if TCU loses a game, yes, I agree, Tennessee should go in over them. But at this point, TCU still doesn't have a loss. And so you have to treat them at that point. Now, uh, will they finish undefeated? I don't know. I think this week against Texas is going to be uh, a massive matchup. Uh, that's that's a tough tough game for TCU. Um, I thought Texas looked really good against Kansas State. Um, it's at Texas. That's going to be a really tough one. If TCU can come out of that one, I mean, again, they have Baylor and Iowa State after that, and then they would be playing the Big 12 championship. But um, They've had so many ranked opponents, or at least playing teams when they were ranked, which I think, you know, at the end of the year when, when the committee looks at these games, is 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 that team good now? Obviously, you need to look at that as well. But I think playing a team while they're ranked has to carry some weight for the committee because you're going in, and, and that changes the mindset of the game. You know, you're playing a Texas team right now that's ranked. You played an Oklahoma team that was ranked. You know, so you're going in those games – feeling like you know the opponent is a top 25 team now Oklahoma's not ranked anymore um so so you know that that definitely is going to change how the committee looks at that win but to me some more weight should be put into that um so TCU's this game against Texas is is their game of the year so far um you know if, if you see TCU lose which would be a bummer for the Big 12 because it feels like it would really knock um, that conference out of uh, contention for having anybody in there with 
you know, Texas being the next top-ranked team in that conference at 18th, and I, I believe they have three losses. So uh, it'd be fun to see TCU to to run the table here a little bit, but that Texas is going to be matched. Quint or that matchup is going to be tough. Quinn Ewers playing better. Bijan Robinson, the running back, is is ran for 200 yards. Um, Texas kind of handled Kansas State um, this this week, so that was that was a good win for Texas and. Uh, that it's a super important win. I, I just think that Texas moving forward needs to win as many, obviously as many games as they they can. But um, the development of Quinn Ewers is everything moving forward for that team. Uh, you know, next year is obviously I think going to be their year uh, to really to make some noise. You know, the, we could be singing different praises of this Texas team for sure if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt. Um, you know, I think I mentioned this before, but I think they beat Bama um, if Quinn Ewers stays uh, doesn't get hurt in that game. Um, which, you know, it, you know, maybe this is just isn't Bama's year. And I know people want to already, you know, get on their high horse. And maybe the, the run of Bama is over this and that, which I, I don't know if it's that drastic right now for Bama. Um, I just, again, I think a lot of these other teams are, are recruiting well, they're developing players and, and Bama's not the only spot to go to. And I don't know if that is a big part of the NILs, but that's the reality of where we're at right now in, in, in college football, which is exciting because it's, you know, right now you have TCU in the four spot, and who would have thought TCU would be in the college football playoff rankings at any point in the top four this year, which is phenomenal. You have Tennessee, Oregon, LSU. Like, yeah, these are still the major programs, and the major programs are always going to be there, but you want to see other major programs besides Bama, Georgia, and Clemson, Ohio State every single year, right? Um, at least I do. So it's it's fun to see, and I think – you know, I've, I've harped on this every single episode that we've talked about college football is that this is why we need an 18 playoff at least because we want to see Tennessee, Oregon, LSU, and USC in there. Like those are teams that, you know, I think it'll shake up. I, I, I truthfully believe that USC is, is after watching them play that last part against Cal is, is tough. Um, and maybe they took the gas off the pedal or their foot off the pedal there a little bit, but, um, you know, if USC and Bama played right now, I think I would pick Bama over USC. Um, but, but you want to see those matchups, and those would be those would be awesome matchups. You want to see these teams play as many meaningful games as you can. And and I know the conference championships are awesome, but you know the Big Ten championship right now is is it's not going to be that exciting of a game because Michigan and Ohio State are on the same side, and that's why I think they need to get rid of the the East and West in these conferences and just have them be like the big 12 or the top two teams at the end of the year, play each other for the conference championships, because that is what a championship supposed to be. You know, like, um, you know, like Minnesota and, and obviously being a Minnesota fan, this would be sweet. And, uh, hopefully Illinois can lose again, but, uh, besides Michigan, cause I think they will lose to Michigan, but, uh, Minnesota has a chance. They're still not out of the contention to be in that Big Ten championship game, which is crazy to think. Um, you know, and and whoever wins out of Michigan and Ohio State, like, do we really want to see Minnesota play one of those teams? Obviously, as a Minnesota fan, I do. I'm biased, uh, clearly. But I'm saying from a pure college football point of view, you want these conference championship games to be awesome. You know, like right now we're staring down an LSU-Georgia SEC championship game, which is going to be awesome. Um, you know, and, you know, or we'd have Bama, Georgia, or, you know, we're going to have maybe TCU against Texas again, like depending on how that all unfolds, like these are going to be awesome, awesome games. Um, 
And right now in the Big Ten, it's just kind of a laughing stock of the conference championship games. Nobody really wants to watch that conference championship game. And, and there's no rules that say that they need to have the East and West. Um, and I think you can, you can still, you know, they play cross-division games anyways. Like the East plays games against the West. So to me, um, there's no reason for these divisions. They should just get rid of these lines and, you know, they just have the rankings be whatever they are, you know, the, the, the standings be, you know, the one and two teams right now, you know? So if, if Ohio, cause I mean, think about this, you know, and, and maybe this is the preventative measure of Ohio state and Michigan playing and then playing again back to back. But like, who doesn't want that? If those are the two best teams in the big 10, why would we not love to see a rematch? I mean, think about how cool that would be. It'd be like a, like football. You never get series, right? You get, you get one game playoffs, you get one game championships. If Ohio State and Michigan go head to head during rivalry week, the last week of the season, and Ohio State beats them, and, and it's in Ohio State, and then they have to go to, you know, um, I, I want to say it's in Indianapolis every year, right? Um, and then they have to go play Michigan again. Like that, that would be phenomenal. Like who, who doesn't want to see that? Cause I would much rather see them play back to back weeks than them play some team out of the big 10 West who doesn't deserve to be in a championship game. Um, you know, and people are like, well, you know, Illinois has been playing great, but like the reality of it is, is I don't see Illinois beat Michigan. Now, if Illinois beats Michigan during the regular season, the week before Ohio state, obviously I will change my tune completely. I don't see that happening. I see Michigan probably being 20 point favorites in that game. Um, and then probably stopping Illinois. You know, Illinois loses this week to Michigan State, uh, which just, you know, it, it just is the reality of what the Big Ten West is right now is a bunch of kind of not fraudulent teams. I don't want to call them fraudulent teams, but, you know, they 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 have this kind of weak schedule, and, you know, all of a sudden you look up and there's a team from the Big Ten West 7-2, and two, and, you know, they're around that 20th ranking, and then they play this team. And, and Illinois lost at home to Michigan State. So it's like, I don't know. I never really believed in Illinois. I would have loved to see Minnesota be that team. I really thought that they could be, you know, like the team that plays kind of an easy schedule because, truthfully, we've had an easy schedule and we have a couple bad losses, um, in my opinion. Um, but would love to see that changed. Um don't don't see why not. I think it'd be better for the conference, better for the country to watch that game, um, to see Ohio State and Michigan play each other. And and I'm not saying these teams can't lose. Obviously, we saw Ohio State kind of struggle through Northwestern. Um, you know, they only ended up winning 21-7. They were down 7-0 after the first quarter. Um, you know, against a one and seven Northwestern team going into that game, conditions were crazy. Um, like 40 mile an hour winds. It was like kind of a shit storm the whole game. Um, but I feel like that is the weakness exposed there for Ohio state, um, is the running game. Uh, obviously moving forward, like probably not a huge issue because in college, I feel like these teams can, that, that can be dynamic are, is obviously super important, but I feel like you can win a game and wig some big win, some big games just by passing it and CJ Stroud, um, and that wide receiver crew with Harrison and Smith and Jigba, like they can still win games. I'm not too concerned about it. Obviously, people are freaking out about this Northwestern game, but um, the conditions were insane. And and I guess you could write that off as it is. And obviously, Michigan in that game, I feel like would probably stop Northwestern. And they they 
I believe they played and they did because Michigan could just run the ball down. Now they didn't play Northwestern this year, but they have the ability to just run the ball um, all day long. And, and I think that's the opposite counterpoint of their argument is that they don't really have a passing game. Um, you know, they most weeks have Corum and Edwards running the ball. You know, they ran the ball 53 times for 282 yards this past week against Rutgers and just dominate the time of possession and, and the whole game. But, um, you know, if they run, you know, they run up against a physical Georgia team or, you know, a, a physical front front side of Ohio State, like, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do if they if they can implement any part of their passing game for Michigan. Um, but I uh, can't wait for that matchup. Uh, would really like to see Michigan beat Illinois as well, give some, give some uh, hope to the Gophers fans around the the country here uh, i know that you know we're sitting you know that conference is four and two illinois right now uh wisconsin three and three purdue three and three iowa three and three minnesota three and three all in conference there um pretty crazy it, you know the vikings have or Vikings, excuse me gophers have iowa and wisconsin still in front of them um both winnable games i'm um, gonna be tough games but if they can you know, win those two games, it basically knocks, you know, and sorry, they have Northwestern this week, but if we lose to Northwestern, I don't even think we should be talking about this. Um, but if they beat Iowa and Wisconsin, it'll then push Iowa and Wisconsin um, out of contention. They would have four losses, and it, and it, it sure seems like whoever wins this side is probably going to have three losses and win by some tiebreaker, right? Purdue and Illinois play this week, so... Um, if Purdue can find a way to beat Illinois and then Purdue loses one of their last two games to either Northwestern or Indiana, then the Gophers winning their last three would be in the driver's spot because we're under the assumption that Illinois is going to lose to Michigan as well. So, and Purdue, Purdue loves to play spoiler. Um, so, you know, they beat the Gophers this year, which I knew was going to come back to haunt us. Um, but, you know, of course, our first ranked game, we lose to them. But anyways, Gophers have a chance. Um, I like to say they control their own destiny. They don't actually control their own destiny because if they win out, there's still a possibility that they don't get in. Um, if Illinois only loses one more game, I believe the Gophers, you know, they have three losses. Illinois has three losses. Um, we would lose head-to-head because we lost Illinois, which I'm assuming is what they go to. But... Uh, there's hope. There's hope. I just wanted to cover that for us Gopher fans out there. Uh, Notre Dame, big win over Clemson. Uh, I saw this one coming, thought Clemson was fraud. I actually bet on Notre Dame, had that one. That was good. Um, 35-14, kind of a dominant fashion. Um, it obviously being in Northwestern or in Notre Dame um, was big, but uh, DJU just is hasn't panned out for Clemson just to be completely honest um you know and they and Notre Dame just ran the ball down their throat they ran for you know 263 yards um Clemson just didn't look that great um I didn't think they were worthy of the fourth seed uh the fourth ranking going into this week personally I thought that that was just off of a former Clemson teams that name that's why that they were ranked fourth. Um, this team themselves, uh, with no real resume wins, they had Syracuse who lost this week as well. 
um, to Pitt, you know, uh, makes that win look even less impressive. Uh, so this Clemson team is definitely on the outside looking in. Um, a very weak ACC schedule moving forward. Uh, I really hope that they don't, excuse me, they don't get in. Um, I don't think they deserve to get in. Uh, so that's a that's a big win. I, I thought that was super important for the the sake of football, <laughs> the sake of college football moving forward. Uh, you know, and and they're sitting in the same position as North Carolina, truthfully. And and North Carolina is obviously has a has their loss to Notre Dame as well. So Clemson and, and North Carolina to me are this. They have nearly the same exact resume, right? And Clemson's 10th and North Carolina's 15th. And, and that just shows you the bias of the team name, right? Um, you know, North Carolina's on a five-game win streak, you know, and, and, and it's just funny to me that they they are are viewed as, as that much different as Clemson coming off a, a you know, a similar loss. Um, so uh, that should be the conference championship game will be Clemson, uh, North Carolina, which I hope North Carolina beats them. I really do. Uh, not a huge Clemson fan, just haven't ever really been a Clemson fan, so that's that's fine to see Clemson lose. I was excited. I thought it, it, it evened out the standings a little bit. Um, moving to the Pac-12, Oregon dominates. 49 to 10 over Colorado. Colorado's 1 and 8. Not 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 really shocking there. Um, this USC Cal game, uh, USC giving up 21 points in the fourth quarter to to make this game a six point win for them was brutal for anybody betting USC as well. Um, if you had them in a teaser or anything either, you'd tease them down to you know 13 or something you thought you had a chance there and they you know give up two touchdowns late in the game it's just tough and their defense just this Cal team is nothing spectacular but they they threw for 406 yards on USC and and you got to think that if USC sneaks into you know the Pac-12 championship game which you kind of expect them to um you know the the Oregon's just going to throw all over them um but you got Oregon at six and zero in the conference, USC at six and one in the conference, USCLA five and one in the conference, and Utah five and one in the conference, um, just jam packed at the top here. Uh, UCLA still has to play USC um, in two weeks, so that that kind of is going to decide those two teams' fate. Um, Utah lost to UCLA, um, and Utah beat USC, so they're kind of sitting there. But Utah still has Oregon on the schedule, so. Hopefully that'll all kind of fix itself out. If Oregon runs the table here, um, beats Utah, sits in the Pac-12 championship game, and then wins, uh, to me, that is enough to get them in the college football playoff with one loss. They would be probably my best sell for a one-loss um, team to get in there. And that now that that's going to be tough stacking them up against Tennessee. Obviously, Tennessee beating Alabama feels like a huge win for them. But uh, got to remember that Oregon's only loss is to Georgia week one, who we're kind of assuming Georgia's going to roll the table here and be undefeated heading into the college football playoff. So um, would love to see Oregon be one loss and get in there. Like I said, um, Michigan or Ohio State's going to have one loss. TCU probably going to have one loss, um, which is going to make for crazy con 
like crazy content when it comes to the talk around college football and the college football playoff coming down to the wire in these these rivalry games as well as these these conference championship games having a ton of weight on them which they should um so i'm excited for this finish up there's you know i could sit here and talk all day about these how these uh schedules and teams playing each other is going to pan out so super excited about that um but yeah i mean these these are going to come down to the wire and um i think just looking around i think i'm going to have ohio state beat michigan um unless something changes my mind even though you know ohio state didn't look that great i just think that ohio state's passing game is just going to be so explosive and and it's going to be a tough game because michigan's definitely going to be able to run the ball a little bit on them but um, I just don't see Michigan going into Ohio State and beating them. Uh, I know they won last year, but it was in Michigan. Like I said earlier in this episode, like home field really does make a difference. Uh, but to me, this is Ohio State's year. I would love to see them actually win a national championship. Uh, not that I'm a huge Ohio State fan, but be good for the Big Ten. But um, it feels like they're our best shot, and they've come up short quite a few times. I uh, don't want to see Georgia repeat. Would love to see a different team get in, but if that's the case, they're going to have to play Georgia in the first game probably, and that's going to be a tough one. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the committee does with all these one-loss teams because there's going to be a couple of them, I think. Um, I would love to see a two-loss team in there. Wow, that would be exciting. Uh, a lot has to happen for that to take place. Um you know, but LSU is right there with two losses, and and um, you know they're they're going to be knocking on the door. I think there's going to be some other two loss teams, but Tennessee's probably going to finish with one loss. Um, so that probably right there already gets rid of my hope for a two loss team to make it. But uh, yeah, I mean it's going to be a blast to see the final three weeks of the regular season for college football, and then. Um, conference championships are going to be just tremendous so i'm super excited uh thanks for tuning in this week guys that about does it for episode 15 um thanks for listening to me babble uh this is a lot of fun for me and i know me and joe uh, have a lot of fun doing this and we'll i guess i'll talk to you later this week i'm gonna do nba um probably just check in on some nhl stuff again i'm definitely not my uh my expertise uh, but uh, NBA is awesome. They had every single NBA team play yesterday. It was super exciting. So I got to, they staggered each game by 15 minutes, which was awesome. Um, they took today off. So for voting purposes, uh, which I thought was really cool, and uh, they'll they'll get back going. But there's a bunch of fun storylines to to get going uh, back into there. Um, just with the Nets and, and the Bucks finally losing, there will be no undefeated teams in the NBA this year. So I know for you, holding your breath for that one. But uh, that should do it. We will talk to you later this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.